Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Zena, a podcast produced by Sunbury Press's Book Speak Network, and you are on episode 12. I'm your host, Susan Kiskis. In the show, we bring two worlds together, wellness and spirituality. From yoga to Buddhism, healthy eating to turning dreams into reality, listeners will find themselves on a journey into their own virtual spiritual pilgrimage. If you want to continue the conversation after the show, visit my Facebook page, Yogic Living with Susan, or sign up for my weekly newsletter at SusanKissKiss.com. My guest today is intuitive artist Rachel Brendan. Rachel is a clairvoyant medium who has been pursuing her desire to help others using her healing gifts as a creative and psychic channel. Rachel, welcome to Zen Up. Hi, Susan. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Oh, thank you so much. I've been looking forward to this, and I actually loved how when we were looking at, uh, you know, a date to, to do this podcast, today actually came up, and this is a number I know that you've talked a lot about in your blogs and posts online. So I feel like it's very, uh, like the, the time is now. So thank you so much for taking the, the time yeah. and being present with us today. Thank you for asking me, for sure. So let's dive into um, talking about something that I've noticed you've been really reaching out and talking about in your blogs and your um, social media posts a little bit more, and that's about intuition and art. So for those of you that are not familiar mm-hmm. with Rachel, She's very well known um, for being um, an intuitive and medium, but I think the part of you that many people did not know up until maybe the past year or two is that you're also an artist, and I have one of your works mm-hmm. actually downstairs in my house from you. So yes. I'm wondering if you can talk about your those two passions, those natural roles of yours, and what, is the, what does it mean to be an intuitive artist? Sure, yeah. So um, first of all, I'll just say that as with many of us that have what we feel is like a soul calling, we don't really like plan it ahead of time. Like when I was graduating high school in 2004, everybody was asking me what I was going to be doing after, after school and like with college. And I was like, I don't know. I, I'll know when like my heart tells me and when like it feels like I'm supposed to do something with myself to educate myself or apply myself, that's what I'll be doing. And so it took me until 2012, that was a big year for a lot of us, but when I was 26 in 2012, I started to really feel called to develop my um, connection to my very natural ability to see energy. I've always had the ability to see energy around people in the form of auras, and I wanted to develop that to help people. I was feeling very called at that time to just help people and I'm very empathic like a lot of us that are tuning in right now because um, we kind of like go in the same crowds with each other so I as an empath have always wanted to help others because as I'm tuning into the world around me and if I'm feeling like it's like in pain or it's it's struggling or it's hurting in some way like I want to make it feel better because then it makes me feel better so I started to develop myself in the form of psychic, uh, actually the psychic stuff came as a result of me wanting to help others through Reiki with uh, my ability Mm. to see auras and combine the two. And so Reiki, I started to learn Reiki in 
2012, um, very quick concession of all three levels in six months. I was at uh, Reiki three level, and unbeknownst to me, those those uh, downloads with the attunement really blew my third eye open, <laughs> and it expanded my connection to the energy world on accident. I didn't know what I was getting into. Like a lot of things I do, I like bite off more than I can chew at first. And I went mm. crazy into the psychic expansion on accident. So my desire to help other people feel more at peace and whole is what led me to my psychic development. And I've always been one that, was very, very in touch with um, the deeper emotions of my own world and also the deeper emotions of those around me, things that we don't always want to talk about. I can sense them and I can feel them. Maybe if I'm not always, like, seeing the details, I can understand vibrationally that someone's, like, feeling it. So that naturally led into my own journey with, I will say, depression. I've been clinically depressed um, or actually diagnosed as clinically depressed in 2012 as well, as I was going through healing of my own body and my own emotions through Reiki and whatnot. I got this uh, diagnosis that they tried to put me on Lexapro for. (laughs) And I said, no, I wasn't going to take these drugs. I was going to find a different way to exercise what was inside of me um, that needed to be expressed rather than muted and and numbed out of me. So that's something I want to say as we're like at this piece of it is those of us that have a deep feeling sometimes that we don't always understand that gets very, very depressive and makes us feel like we can't move forward and just really block. Um, A lot of people will go looking to outside um, chemicals or whatever the doctors can prescribe And I'm going to encourage people, if they're already on them or they're being um, prescribed them, to, if you can, try to to use um, more natural or holistic forms of that. And we'll continue to talk about, like, creative expression of that as we move forward. But there's other ways that you can um, address those issues within yourself and and alleviate those um, pressure cooker feelings inside of you without numbing them. And they're actually, and we'll talk about this as we move forward, they're actually these feelings that we all struggle with sometimes are actually like, in what I understand, the pieces of gold within our soul that are there Mm -hmm. to help us like access our full power. So I'm kind of on one end of the spectrum where I believe that there's a conspiracy out (laughs) to like numb us (laughs) of our full expression. So I'm not speaking for everyone. I'm speaking from my own intuition on that. But if you numb yourself, you can't express yourself and you can't be fully in touch with yourself. So holistic forms of that through various means, and there's all sorts of ways that you can do that, um, are better ways of getting that out and really curing yourself rather than masking it. So I'm just bringing that into the piece of the fact that I was depressed by by the medical standards in 2012 at the same exact time as I was learning to be a healer, a facilitator. And that is actually something that happened 
um, quite naturally and quite on a regular basis is when you go to start helping the world or helping others or helping yourself, oftentimes you'll experience something called a healing crisis, and that gets you into touch with some deeper parts of yourself that aren't always so pleasant to feel. And so because I was diagnosed with something at that time that I was learning to be a healer, um, and they wanted to put me on medication, I kind of put the middle finger up to that and said, no, I will learn my own way to exercise this. So I started to do whatever I could do. And that was spent a lot of time alone and very reclusive. Um, spent a lot of time alone with my darkness, with myself. I spent a lot of nights just crying it out, just crying and crying by myself. And then I would write and Um, what's interesting is when I was little in school, in elementary school, I was known in my elementary for my ability to write poems. And like, I found some of my Mm. old poem books and they're so juvenile, but they're so cute (laughs) as I was like reading them just like a couple weeks ago. So I realized that, um, I stopped writing my poetry when, after my father passed away in uh, 2000, I'm sorry, my goodness, 1995. And I was nine at the time and I stopped writing as much. And that's also something that happens to people sometimes is that they'll be really in touch with like a beautiful gift that they have as a child. Mm -hmm. And then something happens in life that is pretty hard to go through or they just learn through their environment that their gift is not really validated for various reasons in their environment, and they start to shut it off. And that's also something that um, happens with psychic abilities with children that are naturally open and psychic as well. So 12, when I was healing myself, I started to go back. I was naturally, I'll mention that I was naturally drawn to, I didn't force myself, I started to notice that I started to be pulled to write And I keep a lot of these things in my iPad notepad because it has a date and the time on it as to when I write. And it allows me to go back and see what I was going through in cycles and also how much healing has happened. So I started to write and I started to express it through creative writing, not always sharing it with people, but just so that I could get it out. And so that was the beginning of, um, my creative expression of my um, my stuff, <laughs> my stuff that I deal with, my darker stuff. And then to answer what the what the main question was, what what is an intuitive creative? So an intuitive creative is somebody who has the ability to. And I want to say that I don't know if you can actually be an intuitive creative without being an empath as well. And an empath is um, somebody who's able to feel the vibrations around us, just to clarify that, as if they are our own feelings. And we often feel that in our stomach and in our gut. So when we say like a a gut feeling, that's what we're talking about. That's where our intuition is kept within our physical body is our, our abdomen. And so an intuitive creative is somebody who has the ability to connect through that that energy center inside of our being on a feeling level and intuit or discern 
that there is an issue or a thing, a subject that needs to be expressed in a constructive manner. And uh, I don't know if there's, this is actually a quote or not, but I think it is actually a quote from an author like Mark Twain or something, not quite sure, maybe Shakespeare, but um, it's about the fact that art is the most widely universal acceptable form of expression, any message. Mm -hmm. So if you are dealing with like, if you look back at like the, the world war one, for example, or the world wars when there was like a lot of propaganda, or even the civil wars, the civil war of this, this country, there is like propaganda for each side. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm using war as a difficult thing to express uh, as like a difficult subject to talk about. And so there's a lot of art that comes through during those times of people trying to get a message across some of the most like profound stuff that has images that have come through have been through wartime. So if you have something to say and if you have something to express that might be difficult for you or others to listen to or digest, just if it's spoken about in a raw manner, art is the most widely universal form of expressing any message because when you're expressing yourself artistically, it's not because art is subjective, not objective. That's something I learned in art school or art class in school. And it's very subjective to the personal expression of the person's perspective. So it's not something that can be lined up against a ruler and said, oh, you did this right or you did that wrong. It's just meant to be an expression. So an intuitive creative is somebody who has the ability to say, there's something that needs a solution. I see that. I discern that. And how can I use? And so that's the intuitive part. And then the creative is using your creative abilities to get that message across or to find that solution. I felt like I answered that now. <laughs> <laughs> that was so amazing. I, uh, there's there's so much there that we could touch on. I hope you can actually kind of swing back through each of those points. Sure. Um, so for anyone that's listening today, just um, Rachel's actually in Sedona, Arizona right now. So I'm sure that the energy there is also really kind of pushing through. Yeah. Um, if we have time, <laughs> yeah. So if we have yeah. time, we'll take some a call in. Um, we'll take some questions um, if we have time. So the number, if you do want to call in, is six four six seven one six nine one one six. So Rachel, I just have to say also it was really funny because towards the beginning where you're talking about you know uh, making the decision, also being proactive about when you're diagnosed with things like depression to look at other options yes. outside of just medication. Literally a hat went mm-hmm. flying off the wall. I could do not. It was really funny in my room. So I don't know if it was like, you know, give, basically giving you a high five for that one. Uh, hat. My oh daughter my has, I, so my studio is upstairs in my house. It's my daughter's old bedroom, but she has these racks with hats and like they're all hanging and like one just literally, it's not like it just fell down. It just kind of flew off the, the handle. Whoa. So, yeah, cool. someone was giving you a big high five for that comment. Um, right. So, you know, and I, and I think that one of the things I can relate with that is my husband's own journey. So he has, um, you know, he, he suffered through depression his whole life. And when he, his parents are mm. doctors and 
So doing the best that they could, they actually had him on medicine since he was a teenager, and it was mm-hmm. um, maybe five to eight years ago, you know, uh, because I kept on, you know, giving him, like, other options, you know, like holy basil or ashwagandha to try. Um, he, without even telling me, you know, basically had stopped his meds and was trying something else. And I remember saying to him, like, one day, like, oh, my gosh, you seem so happy. I haven't seen this happy in a while. And he told me he was so delighted to hear that because a month ago he had stopped his medicine. And nice. he is, by nature, a very artistic person, but he also found that support in community and um, and in this community also, yeah. like, music with that and expression of dance. So art oh, is yeah. very therapeutic in so many ways. And, like, you're talking about art um, – you know, art is there for personal healing and therapy. It's used as a social and political expression for good and for bad. And sometimes the most um, right. most influential pieces of art does come out of trauma. And in trauma right. in the sense of our own personal trauma and that of our society or our, you know, society or country's trauma that's happening, um, there's really prolific uh, pieces of art that comes out of that and mm-hmm. and as you're saying this is something that's so so innate and I just want to read to everyone so National Geographic had this article in 2017 and they were talking about how they said quote we know that 85,000 years ago in southern Africa our ancestors were carving on ostrich eggshells and 20,000 years oh, earlier wow. than that they were drilling holes in small shells and wearing them around their neck and 100,000 years mm-hmm. before that they were crumbling okra and rubbing it on their body. And 500,000 years before that, half a million years ago, we were, they were making tools with incredibly wow. beautiful and more symmetrical and aesthetic than they had been to do their jobs. And so mm-hmm. art is very deep in human history. And, you know, mm-hmm. we are finding all these examples of even, you know, before Homo sapiens Neanderthals, also having that expression of art. It is part of our evolution and there's even, um, you know, there's even theories that humans went from nomadic lifestyles to farming to give themselves more time to create. And oh, so my. Well, is, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's so linked to who we are. And I'm so happy that you were actually talking about your journey and what you've experienced and about that, too. So you have a quote on your mm-hmm. website that says, I am the witness. I am the storyteller. I am the channel. I am. Mm-hmm. So is that you describing yourself? Is that you describing your process? Is that the state of maybe yeah. higher divine power that you're relating to? Uh, all of the above. <laughs> so like I can't make it I can't make a singular statement about self without it being connected to the complete whole. Because I very much have seen evidence of that um, we are all connected. So um, anything that I identify within myself is something that is also the truth for the collective. The only thing that makes me different between anybody else is the fact that I, I, I consciously claim different parts of our collective truth. And that is kind of something now I'm not going to go into astrology and I'm not somebody that has authority in that way I've not learned it I just know for a fact that when we're all born 
our personal, if you think of it like the cosmos and the stars and the planets on the moment that you're born as like a fingerprint of energy because everything is energy. Every single, every single planet, every single star, every single blade of grass, everything has its own personal signature of energy. And so if you look at the way that everything was positioned at the time of your birth, when your soul comes into this physical vehicle, it's like a stamp of a personality on you. And so I am Leo, Leo, Leo. I'm like quadruple Leo. I have a lot of Leo in my birth chart. And this is why I'm bringing this up because I um, have seen that play out in various ways um, as to why, how I am the way that I am. And that was before I knew anything about astrology. It's just studying astrology a little bit has helped me to understand myself more. So Leo's in their natural expression are, they're very, the royal uh, part of the astrology wheel. They're known as the big cats, the lions, the king of the jungle. And so we're very in touch with that piece of the astrological conscious pie that we all have of that part of our royalty that we all have inside of us. It's just that I'm more like in that energy naturally than other people that maybe don't have so much Leo, but they have that royal peace inside of them. It's just I'm more in touch with it. And they're also, Leos are very known for being courageous. And so I'm very like, I'm that in a lot of ways. (laughs) And um, I'm not afraid to speak and I'm not afraid to say something when I feel like I need to. Um, and I, I have this connection to our divinity just naturally. And so I also have a lot of Scorpio with my moon and Pluto and Scorpio, which is the deeper, darker stuff of our soul. So there's a lot going on with that identification of self with me. When I say that I am on my website, and I express myself like that, I'm just saying this is my awareness of my divinity. And, and I hope that as I express myself, I shine a light to help encourage others to feel, to feel that in touch with their own royal divinity in terms of worth, in terms of um, when we talk about royalty, we think of kings and queens as the most worth person like the highest worth person in the kingdom right so we're just accessing our self-worth through that awareness of self as we're expressing ourselves with our royal divinity so I'm just saying I am the witness I am the storyteller because aren't we all and so I'm going to do that I'm going to do that more maybe louder than others that can't see that for themselves so that I'm going to be blatant about it so that they can see that they can do it too. Um, so I say it in a sense of come, come with me into your worth. Come with me into expressing yourself loudly because there's so many of us that have been like down based on the way that we're up or our upbringing, the way that we're taught through various like, Social structures like religion, politics, um, just our um, cultural environment that use us 
that tells us that who we are born naturally is not what is acceptable in the guidelines of what is being shown to us around us as to what is acceptable. And so we naturally as children begin to learn to mold ourselves to our surroundings to please those that are our guardians or our parents or our peers. We want to be accepted. So we change ourselves to what is acceptable. And then we learn as we get older that it doesn't fit. It makes us feel out of place. There's something wrong. Not not everyone is so in touch with the fact that that ambiguous feeling of there's something missing is actually just that piece of themselves that they're not in touch with because they've shut it off. So we're always just learning to reclaim ourselves as a whole being. And so when I say I am the storyteller, it's funny because some people have said to me that I'm self-absorbed and that's fine. But I, what they don't understand is that I am actually really, really expressing my own story because it's all I have. My story is the only thing that I have to share. It is like something I can validate as true. Everything else is somebody else's story or somebody else's Mm -hmm. agenda. So we're given this piece of pure, special, unique expression and unique um, gold and treasure, in my opinion, and that is your life. Your life is what is the most valuable thing that you could ever connect with. So why in the world would you ever try to downplay any part of that, any piece of the experience, anything that you would consider a mistake or anything that you would ever consider as something that was a failure that you're hard on yourself for, not just your highlight. Like everything is profoundly important. Like why would you not express that? Why would you not share that with the world? If it's something that you could help others with, or if something that you could at least just build something with, why not express it? So, I mean, his story, her story, it's all important in my opinion. And I wonder, like, you know, how much of, um, you know, that that need for art, for storytelling is, the reason it's such a creative expression is because it's part of, if we look at it just from a very biological standpoint, you know, human beings, we want to pass on knowledge and we pass on knowledge mm-hmm. through either creating children essentially that have that we teach and they carry our DNA or right. we create this you know art and sometimes we do both or you know we we also think about like knowledge you know Stephen Hawking would probably never call himself necessarily he would have called himself an artist but right. it's passing on knowledge and so there's probably that yeah. deep part of it but it's like you talked about, it's something that's so, um, it works in harmony with um, data and with science, but it's, it's so expressed so differently because I think about music in general and music has mm-hmm. patterns, you know, and you can count out, you could create mu- music by looking at the most popular words possible in the human language and you could calculate, mm-hmm. you know, the most pleasant beats, but no one creates music that way. You know, we created right. like, something deep inside of us that is just yearning to just basically just come out and be expressed. And, right. you know, you have on your website this blog that is called Lilith. 
And I just wanted to read um, to everybody just a little bit from the blog, just the first part and the end part. So it starts out with, I was high on the most psychedelic drug we have, music. When searching for my little girl inside because I thought she needed my love again. Instead, when I found her this time, she took me by the hand and led me into a tunnel of pitch black darkness. And then towards the end, it says, um, there's, let's see here, she said she needed to cry. There's a scream inside the deepest pit of her soul that needed to be heard. She said she couldn't express mm-hmm. it before because nobody would have been able to hear. And that is just mm-hmm. so incredibly powerful because that just to me in general just speaks about the concept of art. So I'm not sure if you want to, you know, just even right. talk about that or if you could also talk about what inspired this blog. Um, for those of you that don't know Lilith, oh. she is um, she's considered to be in, in, um, in the Jewish faith Adam's first wife. Um, and has been very mm-hmm. demonized like most women are in religion. Um, but there was also the Lilith Fair that was named after her that um, musician um, Sarah McLaughlin had created. So could you talk to us mm-hmm. a little bit about Lilith Art and the blog and how that happened? Sure. And so we're now going to start crossing into um, the concept and the um, subject of archetypes. And archetypes are... Like the good way to easy way to put this would be like a universal personality. Um, that if you also learn about your own personal astrology, that's a great way to understand what personal um, archetypes you're expressing of the universal, uh, we'll say, mixed pot of, of divine personalities. And, and when I say divine, I don't necessarily mean uh, light, like. Like light. I'm also talking about dark because our our psychology, our um, our being is made up of of all ends of the spe- or all sides of the spectrum. Sides. It's not the right. All angles of the spectrum, and that is from dark to light, or negative and positive. We're going to be putting labels. It all just simply is. But but there's positive and there's negative aspects of a person's psychology that will be personally tuned into more than others based on, again, our astrology. So then when I'm talking about Lilith, um, I think that post is from 2016, if I'm correct. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember what the date was. But so that was two years ago. And one of, um, I have to go back to, um, I guess, my birth. And there was a lot that was brought up to me from somebody that was studying my astrological chart in June that was, she was talking about how I've come through as a being and as a soul into this planet is um, based on some things I have going on in my birth chart is the personality of, of a scapegoat and the personality of someone who takes on rejection in order to um, help illuminate the world around them with it rather than destroy. And so I have this tendency to um, be attracting rejection of who I am naturally in a big way. It's like everything that I am hits people oftentimes the wrong way at first. And then through alchemy of, um, and this is generally speaking, there's exceptions to this rule, of course. But through alchemy of understanding each other better, we'll becoming 
more unified and understanding. I mean, that's a natural process for everyone, but there's this piece of the rejected feminine. Um, the mm-hmm. And this is Lilith. So this is how I ended up coming into touch with her without knowing that part of my soul yet um, that had not been explained to me by anybody outside of myself. This was just me naturally going in and meditating because I was at that time that I wrote this going through a breakup of sorts with my romantic partner and at the time. And it was triggering all sorts of like deep uh, emotional wounds around romance and just feeling rejected for, or not good enough or not. Uh, I think it's just basically being too much in many ways is one thing I've struggled with a lot in my life is feeling like I'm too much for people. And that's what was being triggered at that time. And that's, that's really Lilith. <laughs> and <laughs> Lilith was just a powerful, original woman. And uh, the story goes basically that, um, to put it plainly, like she was too much for Adam and then he rejected her. So she left the, the garden. And then we know what happened with Eve. So I found her inside of me. And she's not just necessarily um, rejected by the masculine. She's rejected in general. So it's just the rejected feminine that a bunch of um, women, actually, that I know, there's a large amount of women at this time in history that are expressing Lilith-type archetype, Lilith-type mentality of being very powerful feminine and being too much for the environment that they're surrounded by at the moment and then so because of that they're rejected and too much in mm-hmm. in various ways it's not just one way that this is expressed but oftentimes it's a, it's intuitive women that have this because we scare people with how much we feel and just know without knowing why we know um, a lot of people have a discomfort about being seen uh, a lot of us try to, like, hide parts of ourselves that we feel we might be judged for if we were found out. Um, and so intuitive women are naturally more in touch with this, peace with themselves as intuitive knowers and feelers than men. But this is not in discrimination. It's just how we're naturally more centered in that part of our being and our abdomen. And so it was... It was in that space of feeling rejected and too much at that time that um, I found her. She naturally came to me in my meditation to say that I have a story, I have a frequency within my own being that is very similar to hers and that I have this ability to be in touch with it and unafraid to express it. So she was going to be she as a universal energy using me to express that archetype so that others can understand they're not alone. Um, A lot Mm -hmm. of women, but men also, but this is basically the feminine that, um, and men and women both have feminine and masculine inside of them, but it's a piece of ourselves that we feel like we're rejected for being essentially too much that I was going to be basically pressed upon by her, and I'm using her as the universal signature, 
of of speaking it so that others can can see it in me so they know that they're not alone. But really what it is about for me and how I express myself, both light and dark, but especially in the darker ways, is it's not about, this is funny, some people have not understood this about why I write. It's not about talking about drama. It's not about talking about things that are unsavory just to get people's thing, uh, things inside all worked up or emotions worked up. No, it's to create what we call an energetic space. And by me expressing things that are of a more unsavory nature sometimes or things to talk about that are a little bit more difficult to process emotionally, I create what is called a space for others to feel not so alone. Because when you're going through your stuff inside and when you're struggling, one of the worst things is to feel like you're alone in your struggles. That's like a blanket statement. And even if you like to be alone, it's not, it's not fun for anyone to feel like they're the only ones like this feeling it. So the more that we can feel, everybody has a journey that has to be done alone. Nobody can fix your problems for you. You have to fix yourself. However, it's easier and more empowering if you understand that there is others that are going through it because if you can see others doing it, you feel empowered to do it yourself. So that's what sharing Lilith is about is understanding that this is something that whenever I've shared darker things, I've had people um, on the positive note message me privately and say, I really appreciate the things you talk about. I really appreciate that because that's something I struggle with as well. And it's nice to see somebody speaking out like that too. So that's really what it's all about. It's for the people that need encouragement to continue on. Not to say let's continue on in these crappy feelings, but let's express it to be exp- uh, demonstrative in the expression of it so that they can understand this is how I work through it. This is how it might help you through it too. And I think that's where the witness also comes in. You know, um, I, yeah. it's so interesting. We think about we witness other people's lives um, all the time. We are witness to everyone's joy and their pain, and we forget that we can be our own witness. And um, right. you know, Pima Chodron has an entire meditation practice that winds up pulling you from outside of the emotional experience and allows you to witness what had happened to see where it comes from. But art is the quickest way to get there. And... Um, Mm-hmm. And it can be also just such a cathartic thing because rather than focus on um, immediate equanimity, you have the opportunity to really process. And I think that the other mm-hmm. thing, too, is we'll get back to this mythology in a moment about Lilith, but um, what I find very interesting with art is that it's also, because you're talking about feeling alone sometimes, is that it reminds you about how extensive our connection to energy and other beings and other lifetimes can be. And right. art can be an expression, an opening of that. And I say that from personal experience because people always ask right. me when it comes to, like, well, how do you know about your past lives? And I tell them one of the most significant things I ever did was someone told me basically it's just free write because I had a past life regression 
uh, session didn't do anything when I was in my early 20s. And I did that one night, and I had a vision that really then just kind of opened up. And like you said, a lot of energy attunements really opened up more. Um, but mm-hmm. it can be such a powerful thing where even if you feel like I'm just writing and no one's listening, even if you just allow yourself to free write, it could be God speaking through you, it could be your spirit guide speaking through you, right. it could be your past self speaking through you, and you start to recognize you are never alone. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. Have you had an experience like that that you can share? Whether Where it's writing I or painting. Like, you're, um, like you're with Lilith, clearly you felt that dynamic, right? Mhm. Mhm. And I'm wondering because your um, your art is so intuitive. I'm wondering if you ever felt like someone else is painting through you, or communicating with you through through painting or drawing. Oh, you mean, yeah, like an overlay of sorts. Oh, my gosh. You know what I want to talk about is that piece that you own. Um, oh, yeah, okay. For, so the piece that you own are um, three individuals that I was, I think I drew that back in 2000, the end of 2016. But um, it's, it's uh, Gandhi and Mother Teresa and... What was the third, the, the Nelson, Nelson Mandela. Mandela, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So I felt really pulled at that time because I'd been drawing a lot of lions. So I wanted to draw some people. <laughs> and I <laughs> wanted to draw um, a portrait scape of people that were of the energy of peace and um, world movers for the purposes of peace. And so... This is another piece of intuitive creativity. What we talked about earlier about being a creative intuitive is that's me intuiting um, that I wanted to talk about in my art with this piece, peace. And then what I did was meditate on who wanted to be presented in this piece. I didn't like go researching peaceful advocates in the world that's not how I work I just meditate I sit down with a blank canvas and I I allow I breathe I center myself I put the question out mentally or verbally to the universe Um, this is my intention whoever would like to um, be presented for this please come through for this piece whatever energy wants to be expressed I'm open and I also do put perimeters around my intentions whenever I do energy work of uh, psychic nature or creative nature that only the highest vibrations are allowed to work through me at that point. So even if it's something I'm working that's darker, it's only allowed to be expressed through me for um, constructive means. So with this um, situation, it was one personality at a time. And actually Nelson Mandela was the last one I was debating it was actually Martin Luther King and Nelson Mandela that were both wanting to be expressed, but I only had room for one. <laughs> and um, it, was Mar- it was Nelson Mandela that pushed through um, with his smile. <laughs> there was something about his smile that just kept catching me and like the twinkle in his eye. So um, he's the personality. But I want to say that as I was drawing, so each figure on that piece took me a matter of days to complete. It wasn't just a quick drawing. It was like me sitting down in my free time 
on a number of days to complete this piece. And so every single time I was working on one of those characters on that piece, it was very interesting to me. And it was so eye-opening that um, I actually felt their presence. I actually felt, and it showed me a lot about how it is to pray. Um, And when we're praying to a saint or we're praying to Jesus or whoever it is that we're praying to, um, we're actually invoking that energy to our own, bringing it into align our, our energy with theirs. And so as we focus and meditate, you can do this beyond d- divine beings too. This isn't just about holy beings. You could do this with a person um, that is from history or a person that you know to meditate on their essence by focusing on it intentionally you're going to vibrationally start to align with that and what's funny is um well when i was working i'll just finish quickly with this explanation of this piece especially uh mother Teresa, when i was pulling her through i felt so calm and at that time i was going through some stressful stuff with work but she was very calming for me when i was um working on her and my free time during those days she really, really calmed me down. It was very, like, therapeutic for me to be pulling her energy through. So it was very eye-opening to me to, to understand the channeling of these personalities. And then a couple of months later, a new Star Wars movie had come out. And I was wanting to do a Star Wars dark side piece, and I actually started to draw Darth Vader. And <laughs> just, like, halfway through his face, I had to stop. I scrapped the entire piece. Because as I was focusing on his energy, and even though he's like a quote-unquote fictional character, it's the vibration of him, of what he represents and what he's about, that was really like, ew, I did not like it. It made me feel, (laughs) even as just an artist, I did not like that feeling. And so I literally stopped drawing it because I couldn't. Like, it was just like it. So I I really got um, an eye-opening representation of what it feels like to be aligned with somebody's uh, consciousness or their own vibrations with my own. So that was a really good question. Thanks for asking that. Yeah, I think that that's the one thing with ener- with uh, creativity is that we are tapping into a variety of energies around us, which is our own. It could be others, like you said. It's just, it really helps us express whatever that is inside of us or others, you know, and it can be a form of communication. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to swing back to, you know, the mythology of Lilith as we speed up in time. And um, it's something that sure. before the show you were saying that can we discuss um, this uh, royal bloodline, which for some, um, if you're not familiar, there is a book called The Bloodline of the Holy Grail out there. And it is about how Jesus was married to Mary Magdalene and the bloodline has continued. And so you actually wanted to discuss that and how it relates to um, intuitive art. Well, I actually didn't know about that book. And so can you repeat that, that name of that book? Yeah, it's called The Bloodline of the Holy Grail. It doesn't get into intuition and arts per se, but it does talk about how Jesus was married to Mary Magdalene and that line does, had continued. Okay, beautiful. So I'll just say that a lot of what I understand about Mary Magdalene and Jesus Christ 
um, before March of this year, March of 2018, is when I began to personally channel more Mary Magdalene. And I Mm. did not know much about her or of Jesus other than that it had been mentioned in my peripheral hearing um, up until that point that that there might have been like this connection between them that was more romantic and intimate with actual children. That was kind of something that was like thrown around with like the Da Vinci Code way back when, but it wasn't something that that book, the Da Vinci Code, by the way, um, but it wasn't something that I like really like sat down and studied. Um, But it was kind of like brought up in a peripheral sense for me then. But then I really started to um, understand more when I started channeling her more in 2018. Now she just started to come to me when I was doing um, group channeling and she is Mary Magdalene is also a very huge expression of the the suppressed feminine and um, women being as mm, basically powerhouses of, of intuitive and creative essence in our natural being as birthers. And we're the ones that the life grows inside. And then we just, we create just as beings, even if we're not artists, Um, we have that connection to divine creative source and it's incredibly, incredibly powerful. And so um, from what I understand, having really worked with this Magdalene energy as of the past couple months, is that the, those of us that are intuitively inclined, psychically inclined, creatively inclined, are of that royal bloodline as descendants of Jesus and Mary Magdalene. And that's something that I've been asked by um, my channelings to express in a certain way. And so I did want to mention that to you is that that there's a reason why we all are called like um, starving artists, why artists and art should actually be one of the most profoundly supported um, expressions in our reality, in our modalities of expression. The art should be what rules the world. And me thinking about things like Caesar won't go into, but there are reasons why that creative expression and psychic expression has been actually demonized and unsupported and no artist should be starving. We'll say, we should say that. <laughs> and then we're also going mm-hmm. to see a huge reclamation of this powerful piece of us by the end of this year and to be the very beginning of 2019, we're going to see like from now until then, the next couple months, like a huge reclamation of our creative selves. And it's going to show up in various different ways. So many people becoming more psychic, so many more people tapping into their creativity. It's that time for all of us to really express ourselves because we are what shines the light of consciousness and love through those pieces of ourselves. You know, it's interesting because, like, as science starts to close, in, we consistently rediscover and uncover more about our personal um, space, our body, our planet. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's constantly, it's like, more to, um, to learn. And so, you know, the concept of this second brain in our gut has been um, talked mm-hmm. about more and more over the past few years. Because that is the place that a lot of times people say, like, I have that gut feeling, right? That's an expression we had yeah. here in the West. 
Um, and, you know, we talk, and then, uh, you know, we're hungry, but we can't, you know, we can't stop eating, you know, craving things. Um, we, you know, a lot of our expressions come from that center place. And like you talked about, that is the center right. of creativity. That's the center of birth. And I find it very interesting that with, with even the practice of eating now, we found that that section of our gut where we have all this bacteria that lives the good and the bad that basically helps support our mood, our sleep, our energy, our sex drive, mm-hmm. um, all of it is centered in that area and that, that gut area will start to crave certain foods, whether good or bad, because depending on what we're feeding it. And so as mm-hmm. we start to understand more about that physical section of our body, I think that's going to continue to uncover, like you're talking about, this creative aspect, you know, that we, are, we have been so yes. shutting down that, quote, unquote, second brain, which is the creative part of ourselves. It's the intuitive part of ourselves in order to really focus on the intellectual processing of the world. And yeah. we've gone from the space of for so many thousands of years of really focusing on art and creation and to just really um, starting to flip that and focus on this very intellectual side that it really does feel like not only, I think we're expressing it in the outer world as the rebalancing of the genders, of that energy, the feminine yeah. versus the masculine, but it's, it's, not nothing, it's nothing new. It's something that's been there. And I love that you're actually talking about that too because it's just uncovering who we are because we have to at the end balance both of these. Yes. Well said. So if anyone is interested in learning more about what Rachel is, the work that she's doing um, about uh, working with her, learning more about um, who she is, you know, and just to follow Rachel just on social media alone is, like, amazing. But you can also schedule readings with Rachel. Her website is rachelgrunden.com. Uh, that's R-A-C-H-E-L-G-R-U-N-D-O-N.com. And I'll have that link on um, Facebook. It's also on my website, SusanKissKiss.com. So, Rachel, as we close out this episode about creativity and intuition, is there anything that you can share with others um, quickly that they can really just easily do to help express any um, depression, um, any joy, any anger, and how do they find that one artistic piece that can really kind of talk to them and provide healing? Well, I want to say think back to when you were children and also um, mothers and parents, mothers and fathers and parents, like everyone can understand their kids as um, special. A lot of us have special kids that are now – um, being born in waves that are um, expressing the natural abilities. I'm talking about that many of us are also as adults were this way when we were kids, we're very in tune to energy um, in a psychic manner, but also just unafraid to express ourselves creatively without judgment. Um, so when I, when you say what can they do easily, I would say, if you're saying that you're not a creative person or you're not a intuitive person, I would say that that's probably because you've been taught that you're not or somehow made to believe that you're not rather than that actually being the truth of your being. So um, if you're trying to rediscover what your natural outlet might be, like for me, my natural outlet was writing 
And then like a second, in terms of creativity, a second, second form of it was drawing and, and now I'm getting into painting. But earlier on in my years as a child, I was naturally expressing myself through creative writing. So what you want to try to do if you're trying to reclaim your creative spirit to help yourself express yourself more, um, think back to when you were a kid and what it was that you naturally were drawn to. Um, were you like always singing out loud? Some kids are singers. Some kids are known by their parents and their peers to be like out there with their voices and just like blasting and blasting their voices to the world. And so if you're an adult and you're not singing anymore or you're, you're afraid to speak, um, there might be some healing that you might want to dive into in the form of of reconnecting to your natural expression of your voice, um, verbalizing and also singing would be therapeutic for you then. Or did you like to paint? Did you like to draw? Did you like to write? You know, all of these things are usually, as we are children, expressed without judgment and without fear. It's, it's a sad case that we all, as we're growing up, learn about the concept of fear of being ourselves or fear of things around us, um, but that we come into this world without fear. And so what you want mm-hmm. to try to do is look back to what you were, when you were, what you were doing, what you enjoyed to do as a kid. And a lot of times you'll have memories also in the psychic realm of seeing spirits when you were a kid. Um, some people will have this experience where they saw those that have passed on from body or they saw angels and then they realize as they've grown up that that ability somehow shut down so that they're not so connected. Um, and so those are all things that are your truth before you learn the fear of being who you are. And so those are pieces that are there to be re-evaluated, reclaimed, and reopened as an adult. They're not gone from you. What is yours and what is you and your truth will never leave you except it can sometimes get buried underneath the crap of everybody else's fears and everybody else's or this world's um, teachings that are not so validating and empowering. It's just a natural process that pretty much everybody has gone through, so you're not alone in that. So understand that it's easier than you think. Put the intention out there. Our intention really sets everything on the physical level to happen. Put your intention. You don't need to know the how and the why you just really need to start with the intention and then start, start taking inspired action steps after your intention is set. Meaning you say, I want to re get, get re in touch with my, um, my psychic abilities. So put the intention, that's the intention. And then you want to watch for signs which show up as repetitive um, messages or repetitive instances. Some people call coincidence, but there is no such thing. So you want to watch for repetition showing up in your world as guideposts, whether it be thoughts. A lot of people have recurring thoughts. Like I keep thinking I need to go to that workshop about psychic abilities. <laughs> well, that's, yeah. that, Rachel, yeah. that's a sign. We got to wrap up here, but Rachel, I want to say thank you so much for being here today. I'm really <laughs> grateful um, for your time and your wisdom. Yes. Oh my God. It's been so much fun. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Very great. And thank you, everyone, for listening today to Zen Up. I hope you join me on the next episode.
This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash... Hmm. You can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of hefty large black bags. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.